My name is Jody Greeby, and I am a former collegiate basketball coach turned motivational speaker. And I am here today just to have a conversation with two of my great college friends, and I will let them introduce themselves and what they do now in their lives. I'll go, Shanna. Do it. There I'm Amy Wright, a longtime basketball coach, former college athlete. Uh, Luckily, was fortunate to be um, at the Division One level, so that's kind of all I knew. No, so that's kind of important too. That you know, when we talk about these things, that there are different divisions um, and opportunities out there. So uh, started started off down at South Florida, um, kind of bounced around a lot. Was at nine years at Texas A&M, and now it's my first year as an associate head coach at University of Oklahoma. So. <laughs> So excited to get started and just, uh, you know, get some handprints on that, but just hope to help educate people on what's really going on in college athletics. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm Shanna Pearson. I am also a former division one uh, athlete. I played basketball with the great Amy Wright over here for a couple of years. Um, I've recently turned to uh, being a certified uh, life and performance coach. I specialize in working with female athletes um, on goal setting, time management, my favorite topic, mindset. Um, so I'm happy to be here. Yes. Shanna and I, mindset, our mindsets are on the, on the same track with that too. <laughs> bit, yes. Um, but today, so today what we're going to talk about is something that's kind of uh, interesting in college athletics right now, and that is this extra year of eligibility due to COVID um, and everything mm -hmm. that that's, that's going to take place. And um, I think part of it is also the something that's changed the trajectory of, of college basketball, not only that, but also the transfer portal and how that kind of affected things. And you know, with the year that college athletics had, there were some teams that got to play every single game that they had on their schedule. And that was amazing. They were able to do that. Some teams had to have their, had to have their season cut short. Um, and could, you know, players didn't even get the opportunity, uh, to, to finish out their season. And so we just kind of wanted to talk about how, uh, that extra year of eligibility is going to impact both good and bad. And I think we could kind of start from um, the player's perspective and what it's doing for some of those seniors uh, who are getting another opportunity to really be able to, to finish their career. So um, Amy, since you are still currently coaching, what do you see uh, how it's been a positive effect for, for athletes. Yeah. Um, in terms of a positive effect, it's probably the biggest, what everybody wants in terms of they, they want to be prepared for that next level, whether it's a professional athlete or whether it's going into their professional careers. So to me, the bit, biggest benefit of it is it's giving a lot of kids that I'll be honest, flat are not ready to go into the real world an opportunity to kind of get their stuff together. And whether that's getting another degree, uh, whether that's preparing themselves on the basketball court or whether that's trying to get socially and mentally healthy, that's, those are things that that extra year has really provided. Um, I think that's the good thing. I, I think kind of the, the tough thing for some and what we've come across for us even this summer 
is a sense of entitlement um, that players feel like they deserve that extra year. And there are certain situations where, no, you don't. And here's why, because you didn't do what you were supposed to do academically. You didn't do what you were supposed to do on the court. So it, it, I would say that's kind of the, the thing that coaches are dealing with in a negative term is just, just because it's out there doesn't mean you deserve it. Just like scholarships are out there doesn't mean you deserve it. You might want to play division one at Connecticut doesn't mean you deserve it. Doesn't mean you're going to get it. So I think that's kind of the, the negative side from a player perspective they feel comfortable enough to say, I deserve it because it's out there. And that's something that just doesn't register, you know, with adults as part of adulting. So, Yeah, that was my question. Like, how is it, how do you determine who gets awarded an extra year versus who doesn't? And it's time to move it along. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's, that's a good question. Um, I will say this, that majority of universities across the country that have the finances to give mm. an extra year are going to give the extra year to the seniors. So those would be people that were seniors last year. They're going to get that opportunity to come mm. back. Now there's some schools that just, they can't afford it. I mean, you, you see schools across the country getting rid of sports because of COVID. And that, that's just reality, you know, whether it's basketball or golf or tennis, there's a lot of schools that got rid of sports. So those kids had to go find new homes. So in the majority, um, people that do get it are those seniors. Now, sure. is it available to all players? Yes, absolutely. So if you were a freshman last year, you still get that year. You still have that year if you want to use it. Now, where that come in, comes into effect is coaches and administrators get the chance to dictate whether you get that year or not, because every NLI for about the past three or four years is a one-year deal, mm -hmm. period. So, yeah. And I think Amy, what you were talking about, as far as like them being ready to um, go into life after basketball, you know, one thing that I remember for me, I, I took five years to get my undergrad. I transferred to Arkansas from a junior college could have graduated in like four years, including the summer, but I just, honestly, I did not want to, um, mainly I didn't want to take the, the, the science classes that I was going to have to take to finish it. Like who wants to do that? I never took summer school personally because I always spent that time earning money to be able to afford school. Um, but you know, those seniors are basically 22, 23 years old. They're still, learning. There's still a lot that they need to learn. I ended up going to grad school because I didn't want to get a real job. I wasn't, I knew I wasn't ready. To, I didn't want those responsibilities. And so I looked for a graduate assistantship where I kind of, I, I was able to ease my way into it, I guess, into the real world, because I had, I had a stipend, I had a few bills I had to pay or whatnot, but I still wasn't full-blown, full-time, nine to five type of job. So I think it's, that I never thought about that, but that is definitely something that um, I think is good. And and I'll say this: I saw with the movement with with certain players, certain teams, and kind of going back to who who determines um, whether a kid gets to stay or not. You know, there's some kids who can still physically play and may be able to play 
for a team, but not necessarily the team that they're still playing for currently. And you could kind of see the coaches just kind of like encouraging them <laughs> to go ahead and find somewhere else to go. Um, but I'm wondering how the, uh, because of all of that, like, how did that, how is that going to affect or did affect uh, incoming freshmen or even junior college? Cause I coached at the junior college level and that was, you know, most of those kids didn't even sign until uh, April. Most kids don't sign junior college kids don't sign until April. So those, that was the first people I thought of were the, you know, the, the incoming freshmen and, and JUCO kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would say like, to your point, you had to look for a grad assistant. You, you had to put in the work to get that grad assistant job. You had to put out feelers. You had to make phone calls. You did the work to get that. And so my point with these, some of these kids, they expect to be given that yeah. year. They expect to be, if I go in the portal, I'm going to land somewhere else. I expect to land somewhere else. And there's no work behind it. To me, that's the biggest difference. Like you knew how to work. Yeah, you didn't want to go in the real world, but that's okay. You still knew how to work. You right. may not have known exactly what it was, but you knew how to do the work. So that's the biggest thing in terms of the difference between your situation and some other situations. But in terms of, you know, how it affects freshmen, um, are you talking about freshmen, incoming freshmen or freshmen that incoming, in incoming freshmen? Yeah. Uh, most incoming freshmen, they don't, they don't get that extra year mm -hmm. because they didn't play college in the COVID year. So, right. so their, their experience, their four-year experience should be a normal experience. The, the only thing they might get hit by is the one-time transfer and maybe they'll get rid of the transfer portal. Like yeah. that, that might be what they go through instead of a COVID year. Yeah. Um, so incoming freshmen, I don't see it hurting them at all. Honestly, I think they're the lucky ones because we had to watch them play on freaking online and you get, you get a film from Betty Joe that says she's six, five, but she's five, two playing against four, nine, you know, but, but it's just like, like, I think they're the beneficiaries, honestly, out of this, but Juco kids got screwed. <clears throat> unless, unless you were elite, 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 nobody is looking at JUCO kids because we can go to the portal for somebody that has already four-year experience, somebody that already is, um, you know, established as a player at, at a power five level or at a division one level. So yeah. there's a slim margin of JUCO kids that were able to extend their careers to where they want to go. But I will say this, they get an extra year too. So if they, oh. yeah, if they don't land somewhere, the JUCO kids can go back to where they are. Oh, well, that's I didn't know crazy. that. That's a, yeah. Yeah. How, um, COVID brain, seriously. No, I feel you. Shoot. At least <laughs> I got a window in my office now. Look. Window. Um, but no, seriously, I think that, uh, I can only imagine like I, when I got, I got out in 2015 and, you know, a lot of the players were starting, really starting that whole entitlement thing. Um, and just from still being around and connected to 
my friends that are still coaching, AKA you is one of them. Um, I know how entitled, how much worse it's gotten with entitlement. And I can't imagine how some of these kids have tried to, it's like, well, no, like I should be able to come back. What are you talking about? We get a fifth year of eligibility, you know, with like a lot of things, they don't necessarily read the fine print mm-hmm. and understand, like you were saying, like the work that's got to be that's got to be done um, in order to keep that scholarship. Um, And I think it's, it is really sad though, that there was a lot of kids who left thinking that there were greener pastures um, when they didn't even water the pasture that they were in. Mm. Um, And I think, you know, the art, the, the comment that, that Gino made, you know, there's thousands of kids in the um, over a thousand kids in the portal. And there's a lot of them that hadn't even been contacted and, it's, it's sad. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that the division two and three level will benefit from this, from those kids who did, who, you know, these D1 kids who didn't find a D1 home, do you think those they'll end up landing D2, D3? I can't, I honestly, I don't know. Um, yeah, great question. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, even all the way down to NAIA, it's just, it's such a sports college sports is just it's such a small person in the grand scheme thing is such a small percentage of opportunity no matter what sport you play like mm-hmm. it's just and it's not something that's easy like it, it's not meant for everybody I always say that like to be really good at the arena that you're in it's not meant for everybody you know mentally physically everything um I would think that I this is what I think I think kids and parents are arrogant enough that even if I can't land at a D1, I'm not going to a D2, a D3, or an NAI, even if there's opportunity. That's what I think. Because I, I have not, I mean, there's a few social media posts like committed, da-da-da, D2 school, ooh-ooh, like you don't, you don't see that even though you know that kid is at that level, they're just going to wait it out, wait it out wait it out and maybe somebody will pick me up so but I I will say this I think anybody that is six three and over is gonna land at a d1 oh yeah because you that's that's the one thing that you can't coach or you can't teach and that's that's right there's not a lot of big girls out there so um, (laughs) there might be a difference okay (laughs) had to disclaim that yeah tall touche um (laughs) Shannon, let me ask you this. What do you think the uh, mental impact is going to be after this COVID year, like going into the next year and like the, the mindset? Cause that, I mean, that's something that you, that you talk about in like having, to, after having gone through this entire COVID year, um, what do you think that's how that's going to affect players moving forward? Well, you know what, it's so fascinating because just what I'm seeing now with what I'm coaching, obviously COVID has been, it's been tough for these athletes and these young men and women. And so moving into like a collegiate sport, what I'm seeing right now is just a ton of pressure, right? A a ton of pressure that they're putting on themselves, that their parents are putting on them to get into that next level. And kind of like what Amy said, it's like, it's got to be this level or none. And 
which is different for, you know, for what I, what kind of, what we experience. I love the game. Like I love to play. And if I wasn't good enough to play D1, I was going to play D2, D3, whatever it took. Right. So I think it's what I just, I'm seeing so much um, anxiety right now around staying in school, performing at a great, you know, at a high level, um, which is fascinating to me. And I was also, you know, talking about some of the, you know, with the portal, I was curious how that's also affecting the recruiting aspect of, of sports, because I would think, you know, if there wasn't a portal when I was going through school, it's either you, you were there or you lost a year and went somewhere else. And so now it's kind of like, well, if we lose a girl, there's, over nine, you know, a thousand in the portal right now. So, okay, not a big deal. So I would think too, as an athlete, that would mess with my mind a little bit as far as I've already got the pressure, I've already got the anxiety. And now if I'm in a spot that I really don't want to be, I'm not watering my own grass or I want to go to greener pastures. Do I even have that option? Because there are so many tremendous athletes available right now. So definitely the, the anxiety, the pressure, the, um, I see a lot of kids want to give up because uh, they've lacked confidence. And when you lack that confidence, the motivation goes with it. So they lose their confidence and they're like, well, fuck it. I guess I won't, I'm not going to play at all. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll say this, like with the anxiety and pressure and, um, you know, I was a part of a successful program last year and we were going through the same things everybody else was going through. Mm-hmm. As coaches, we spent more time recruiting our current team mm. than, than recruiting the 22s or 23s that were coming in. We invested in the team that we had, whether it was, you know, their shoe game, whether it was going to do a blood drive, whether it was going into or bringing the community to us. Um, we invested in them. And I think doing that, we were able to have a successful season. And I honestly think that's going to carry over next year where those kids didn't feel the anxiety and pressure that you're talking about. They Mm -hmm. felt comfortable in their skin and where they were like just trying to alleviate and coaches that did that, that alleviated that anxiety and that pressure, I think were successful last year. And we'll be successful this year too. Yeah, I love what you did in that pro- with the program of kind of having their why, right? Because I think us going up, you know, coming up, we were there for a job and that was to play basketball and go to school. And when you were done with both those things, all right, see ya. And so I love that you are bringing that ownership into the game, right? You're having some type of, because there's so much going on right now, not even just COVID, right? We've got social injustice. We've got you know, so much more outside influence. That I don't know what is happening. That's a fly. That fly is it all first time. She was trying so hard. She was like, it was like thought-provoking, groundbreaking shit just now. <laughs> Yelling, I hit my nose. Oh, oh my god! Oh, now our eyes are watering. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Thanks are gonna be awesome on this. Oh my God, this damn wow won't leave me alone. And it won't, oh, okay. Lord Jesus. I can't with you. I cannot with you right now. 
But yeah, I think having creating that ownership and that social responsibility was huge last year. Um, and what I love so much about what you did at AM, because I think they have these athletes have this amazing platform, right? As a division one athlete, you're on national TV, you, you know, you have, you're going to places that you would probably never go, you know, just a normal, as a normal person. And so I love that you gave them that voice to have, you know, to be able to speak on what's important to them. And I think when you create that type of ownership within the team, that team just grows stronger and have, has a bigger purpose, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I think, I think, um, Amy, what you were talking about, as far as what, you know, you guys really invested in, in your team, you could really tell, um, from different teams who did that and who did not, and not necessarily by the success that they had, but you saw it with, with, with the players and their actions. And, you know, there was in social media, because I mean, let's be honest, the kids and parents put everything on social media. They try to be subliminal about it, but they're not slick. They just, they don't realize <laughs> it. I mean, everybody can tell what you're talking about. Um, and so, you know, seeing different, different posts and everything that, that people have, uh, players and parents have put out, there were a lot of coaches whose real values care, um, their true characteristic or character came out um, and just whether or not they really cared about the well-being of that player. And, um, you know, I always, I always knew that there was a lot of, and there are a lot of really great car salesmen in college mm -hmm. basketball as coaches um, and this year really put a light on who exactly those car salesmen are um, mm -hmm. because they were having to deal with a lot more than the normal uh, scope of, of college basketball and players and their issues. Um, but COVID definitely took a toll and, sh and really showed a lot of people's true colors. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I felt bad for some of the athletes um, mm -hmm. who, who had to endure that because that just, that sucks. They shouldn't have to, the coaches should care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some, some of them aren't the same, like some of them that are in the transfer portal, you, you're able to have conversations with them and they're, they're just not the same kid at all. Mm -hmm. So they, 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 something, you know, they're, they're never, it's going to be really hard for them to trust another coach. And it's never that they didn't like their teammates or whether they were 0 and 25 or 25 and 0, it was never the team. Even if there was shit happening on the team, we all know shit happens, right. but it was, it was always the adults in the room that didn't handle the room mm -hmm. that, that they, this really hard for them to trust. So, but I'll say this, Shannon, to your point about ownership, I think there's a lot more coaches on the men's and women's side, and then a lot more administrators mm -hmm. that are finally comfortable with being different. They're comfortable with having Susie that looks, acts, talks like this, and then JoJo that is totally opposite. We don't have to be uniform anymore. Mm -hmm. And why not create a melting pot in your program? Because that's what the world is. When they get out, the world is a melting pot. So I think there's a lot more people in power, so to speak, 
sure. that are comfortable with the kids having that ownership. Shannon, kind um, of talk about what you were before I got attacked by my fly because I think yeah. you're really you really were hitting some good you were hitting some good points on that. But go into what you were talking about, like with the social justice, because that's with Amy bringing that up. Because I also saw that too with some programs that didn't necessarily take a stance that their players would have liked them to take with all of that. Oh yeah. I think, and I would kind of go into back what I said, I loved what Adub did because I just thought that it gave them a voice and you're so right. You didn't, you didn't see it across the board, right? There was a select few that these, I, I felt like these girls were, or women were allowed to share their why, share what's important to them. And, um, kind of on a human level, right? Like, I feel like we could have, we're able to relate to these athletes a little bit better when you kind of know their backstory. Um, you got attacked by a fly and I really, I knew I was about to have like some groundbreaking comment, but you know, I just kind of like, whatever. But my question on that is, Amy, I thought, I think it's so important that you said the administrators and the coaches really got behind that. What do you think created that shift? Because that's fascinating to me because you definitely are starting to kind of see that pull apart between Jody and I were kind of having this conversation this morning about how, you know, coaches are starting to look different and become more relatable. So as far as the administration, I'm curious to hear how that what kind of feedback you received from making the the statement that you guys made the previous season? Yeah, I, honestly, I I think what pivoted our season. I hate that word. I fucking hate that. Pivot. Word. Pivot. We're gonna pivot. pivot. Let's let's <laughs> let's see how the vaccine works, and if it doesn't, we'll pivot. Um, <laughs> I hate it. Um, so, but I think what changed our season was administ our administration tried to come in and tell our kids what they could and could not say. Mm -hmm. And we had strong enough leadership within our team and within our staff mm -hmm. that the kids basically said, do not censor us. It will end bad for you. And to me, that was the change where we had enough strong leaders that it wasn't like rude. They weren't inconsiderate. It was just a simple fact we're not going to say something stupid. You need to trust us on this. Mm -hmm. And so the administration was like, okay, go with it, run with it. And they made, our players made three really strong statements mm -hmm. um, when it, when it started, when so the, uh, the killings, well, social media yeah. finally put it out there. It's always been going on. So mm -hmm. um, about um, George Floyd, when that came out, Breonna Taylor, when that came out and then um, when people started to kind of attack them a little bit, you know, and I, I think the cool thing was, was, you know, do you want us to get rid of those comments? Do you want us to get, no, no coach. We want to see him. We want to know exactly who's saying that stuff. We, mm. we, that, that we want to know that. Um, so I, again, it was a lot of leadership, but I think it was, we had, we guided them with a very soft hand in the back but it was primarily the players wanting to do that and they were right they didn't do anything bad or stupid or it, it was just that was their voice you know you gotta sometimes you gotta let the kids represent the program instead of the program represent the kids mic drop love it 
I love that so much. And I think that's what I love about like what's happening right now because there's real shit going on and go, you know, like I said, back to our experience, like we didn't have, well, we didn't have social media to have that kind of platform. Thank, thank Jesus. Yeah. I probably would have gotten kicked off the team. On, on some aspects. Thank you. Woo! Yeah. Then, pol- then Polaroids are bad enough, honey. Oh, honey. <laughs> Anywho, but, like, but there's some real shit going on. And I just think like, I love that these girls are women. I keep saying girls, but I love that they have this voice and that they're allowed to, you know, be able to use their platform. Um, because I think, you know, going back to the mindset and the anxiety piece, like I can't imagine being in college and hearing, you know, COVID all the racial injustice and just be told to keep my mouth shut and show up to practice. Like, I can't, like, I can't imagine but that would have that would have probably gone down for us right like it wouldn't have we wouldn't have had the opportunity so i just love it so much that i think this probably helps athletes so much mentally when you can connect with them and and say like i know this is important to you you're important to me because you're part of this program and so let's use this for the greater good. I just, it's such a beautiful thing. I love it so much. I think it's, it's also awesome though, Shanna, because players like you guys, how you said, you know, y'all wouldn't have had that voice. This is giving so many former players the opportunity to be able to say like, no, this didn't, all these things didn't just start happening now. It happened when we were in school and there was some stuff that was a little bit you know, questionable. It's just, we were, you know, it it was the quote unquote normal thing. It was supposed to happen. It it happened to everybody, but but just because it happened all the time or happened to everybody didn't make it right. Right. Um, And I think that, you know, hearing, you know, we've all, we've had conversations about stuff that's, that happened. And I've talked to players from other universities uh, former players at other, other universities and have heard their stories as to what happened when they were in school. And one of my former coworkers, she said, you know, all these players, you know, the, the head coaches are talking about, you know, what's all, what's up with all this anxiety and having in, in dealing with anxiety. She was like, hell, we had anxiety when we were, when we were in school, we just didn't have a, a name for it. She mm-hmm. said, we didn't sleep before 6am workouts. Cause we were too hell scared no. of what was going to happen. You know, Keila our- did. We had to wake her ass up every day. Yeah, Keila, my roommate. <laughs> we had we had pick her ass up, throw her in the car, shit. Like, she, like okay, first of all, oh. yeah, Keela. yeah. First of all, she was asleep. First of all, yes, I still have <clears throat> scars on my chin from missing a block because Jen Jones was screaming at a player, and it scared the crap out of me because I didn't sleep the night before. I was tired. I was stressed out. I still have the scar so yeah and and so and and you know she was like we just didn't have a name for it mm-hmm. she's like but looking back like that's exactly like we had lots of anxiety dealing with um performance and stuff or whatever so I think it it is good that some some former players have been able to um speak their truth because these younger these younger adults are are doing it so it's like well if they're doing it, there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to do it and speak my truth and my, what happened to me in my experience. So. 
It's yeah. the biggest reason why I want to work with women's athletics, because like when I started this whole coaching journey, this life coaching journey, it just kept coming up in my head, like women's athlete, you know, women's athlete, women athletes. And I'm like, I can't do, I have, you know, I haven't played in forever, but the more and more I thought about it, I'm like, it's, it's the mind piece for me. It's the anxiety, it's the stress. And some of the things that are happening today, like if I would have heard that 20 years ago, just suck it up and get on, you know, just play, just do what you need to do, perform, you know, I would have had a really hard, hard, hard time with it. So I just, that the I'm glad that we're naming it and we're talking about it and it's being, you know, we're giving it a voice, right? But isn't that, I mean, to me, isn't that why we're all doing it? Like yes. to help so people yes. don't have to, go through or anything that we went through as, as athletes. I mean, that's one of my primary motivations is I had a great time. Don't give me, I had a great time in college. Excellent yes. time. Um, but, but there were some things I didn't agree with and mm -hmm. being in a position, finally getting to a position where now I can control that narrative and control mm -hmm. what's being done. That's part of my process. That's part of where I've always wanted to be is putting my hands on I know this is this is okay this type of coaching this is not this is not how things should go so I think that's why we we all do it I don't have this argument with Dana all the time about cost of attendance you didn't fucking play for cost of attendance <laughs> you played for the fucking experience you played to get better you played to elevate your career you played to get your degree you played to go somewhere like that just irritates the shit out of me when she's I need my cost of attendance I'm sure everybody feels like but that's not why you do it what needs to change in the game isn't the money what needs mm -hmm. to change in the game is the way people handle players and the way people handle programs yep you came here and just drop bombs. I just love it. You I mean, well, you put me in the office. You get me outside the office. Look, I'm <laughs> like we go. We gonna be stupid. <laughs> stupid. I love it. Okay, so name one thing that you guys have think you guys think has permanently changed um, in college sports because of the pandemic. Jody, what do you think? Um, I don't know if anything can ever permanently change in college athletics. <laughs> <laughs> just because of um the way that the ncaa works and they're forever changing like amy alluded to earlier like the mm -hmm. transfer portal that could all go away you know mm -hmm. um but i would like to think that the people who did go through this year um that were involved in college athletics they begin to appreciate um a quote-unquote regular year um, cause it, it, the way everything's going now, it seems like everybody's going to go back to full force, you know, full capacity. Um, I know here in Fayetteville, they're full capacity at the baseball games now. And, um, I don't know if, if all that will change, um, hopefully we're, we're good to go on that. But I think that, um, I would like to think that the players and coaches who were involved and then also the fans will appreciate the game experience a little bit more um, after not being able to to go to those games because I know I selfishly I wanted the games to happen but mm -hmm. I wasn't dumb enough to think that that was the right thing to do <laughs> at the time with what we knew about stuff because um, we just we didn't know point blank we didn't know what was going on we didn't know what was happening um, and so I'm I'm 
of the the cloth that you just it's better to be safe than sorry mm-hmm. um and especially after now having had covid like that just completely uh but i just i really hope that um that everyone appreciates the the experience uh a little bit more but i don't know if anything could actually is anything's going to be permanently changed what do you think amy uh the one thing like you can't you can't it's not a thing the one thing that's changed forever to me it will be fear of players and not necessarily in a negative way but because now they do have voices and we they do have coaches that are allowing allowing these players to speak their mind and you know you you if you do it the right way they're going to say the things that need to be said and say it in the right way so if you do it the right way but i do think that fear from administrators and fear from coaches that aren't doing it the right way that has forever changed and you know whether it was covid whether it was social media whether it was the social injustice um i think that has forever changed college athletics because now the players have a voice so Mm -hmm. So that's what I think is permanent. But I'll leave you with this. Um, what I think is important is whenever you're talking to somebody, kids know, um, are you are you selling what's real? Are you selling retail? Um, so you you better with all this stuff going on with, you know, the Pride Month and everything, what you're putting on your social media, is it real or is it retail? I think mm-hmm. that's the one thing that you got to remember when, when we're talking about this stuff. Be, be real. Don't be retail because retail goes out. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. on that note, <laughs> with like the fifth mic drop of, of the afternoon. Get me out of this office. I'm too serious. <laughs> go ride a bike. Go do, go fly a kite, something. Just get yeah. out. I know. Just get in that sun. Just get yeah. you some vitamins. Girl. <laughs>